0: WSJM News Now. This is the 5 o'clock news block on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by the Town Crier Wire. In the newsroom, I'm Andrew Green. The City of St. Joseph is working with Cornerstone Alliance on a development plan for two vacant properties downtown. Assistant City Manager Emily Hackworth told commissioners last night the parcels are a privately owned lot across from Shoes on Pleasant Street and an adjacent city owned parking lot on Lake Boulevard. The owner of the plot closest to shoes has indicated a willingness... To work with the city and Cornerstone to come up with plans for a development that would occupy both parcels. Hackworth told us her goal is to get help through the state's Redevelopment Ready Sites program, which could provide funding for drafting plans. The state has a program called the Redevelopment Ready Communities, and it's all about getting a city ready to develop, streamline the process, be really upfront and transparent about the process, and become more and more appealing to developers. Hackworth said with state support, the city and Cornerstone Alliance will seek community input as a site plan for the two properties is developed. each milestone, essentials, and then certified, we get some funding to help us bring in consultants if we need them or otherwise make improvements to our process. And then ultimately, once certified, we can work with a team that will help us develop a community-driven vision. Cornerstone's Andrew Hahn said a mixed-use development with both residential and commercial could be constructed on the sites. City commissioners signaled their support for Hackworth and Cornerstone to get started on the development of a plan. The city of St. Joseph has received a clean and unmodified audit report for the most recent fiscal year. At last night's meeting, CPA Kenley Penner with Plant Moran told city commissioners the city stayed within its budget for the year with a general fund seeing about $9.1 million in expenditures and $10.7 million in revenues. It finished the year with a healthy fund balance. You can see the governmental funds did have an increase in fund balance of just under 500000 relative to the prior year. And the general fund did end with just under $5 million of fund balance, which again represents pretty much six months with half the year of expenditures. So again, a lot of communities have benchmarks kind of thresholds where they want to be, and you're at six months, which is considered healthy. Penner said the city did plenty of capital improvements in the fiscal year, which is a good thing because those were investments in the community. He noted the city's biggest expense was public works, followed closely by public safety. It also paid down about $2.5 million in debt. One notable expense was the replacement of lead water service lines, something communities across the state have been having to do in recent years. A new student pickup area will be built at Lakeshore Middle School along Washington Avenue. The Lakeshore Public Schools Board of Education last night approved the work, which will use about $500,000 of this year's voter-approved bond of $20 million. The new pickup area is intended to reduce traffic backups that occur on John Beer's Road when school's letting out. Board President Rachel Wade said property to the east of the building that the district bought this year will be used for the new area, but in a way that doesn't prevent its future development. Looking at that plot of land that we now own, wanting to make sure that we kept as much of it whole as possible for future purposes. So where this was placed was very strategic for a a number of reasons, but also definitely making sure that we don't bisect that land in a way that down the road we want to undo because we've got other plans. Superintendent Greg Eating said the parking lot improvements will lead to more spaces being available. It actually increases the parking spaces on the north side of the building as well. The board then authorized the project. It also approved about a million dollars in bond projects to be done this summer at all three elementary schools. That'll include air conditioning in the gyms, new doors, and ADA-compliant drinking fountains. The Buchanan City Commission has voted to hire a new city manager about two weeks after former city manager Benjamin Eldridge resigned. At a meeting last night, the commission voted to advance contract negotiations with former interim city manager Tim Lynch, who served for a few months earlier this year before Eldridge was installed. Commissioner Patrick Swem said he'll be a good fit. Tim was well respected by the staff um, and by this commission. We all begged him to come and stick around longer, so I'm hopeful that we'll be in agreement after we talk through the contract tonight. The contract could be renewed after a year. Also, last night, commissioners held a special meeting to move forward with a censure resolution against Commissioner Dan Vigansky. Mayor Sean Dennison read out a list of multiple charges against Vigansky. The first involves his conduct at a June meeting of the Buchanan Area Recreation Board. Mr. Vigansky addressed members of the public audience, which included African American individuals, using the phrases you people and those people. This conduct resulted in the filing of a complaint with the Michigan Department of Civil Rights case 635831. This complaint is still under review by the Civil Rights Department, has harmed citizen relations with the city, and caused the city to unnecessarily spend funds on attorney's fees into the complaint. Other charges alleged that Vigansky shared confidential information about complaints involving former City Manager Eldridge with Eldridge and the public and that he harassed City Hall employees. Commissioners approved resolutions indicating his guilt to all charges and the actual censure vote could happen at their next meeting. The St. Joseph Public Schools Board of Education has given a positive performance evaluation for Superintendent Jenny Fee. At a meeting last night, the board rated her as highly effective in her annual performance evaluation The board evaluated Dr. Fee using a tool provided by the Michigan Association of School Boards that assesses a superintendent in eight areas. They are superintendent performance, board relations, stakeholder relations, employee relations, educational leadership, operations, finance, student growth, and goal achievement. Board President Barry Conybear said the board recognizes, quote, Dr. Fee's success reflects the hard work and quality efforts of her administrators, teachers, and staff throughout the district. Fee is now nearing the end of her third year as superintendent of St. Joe Public Schools. And workers at Honda, Hyundai, and Volkswagen are now filing unfair labor charges against the automakers. The workers say the companies are guilty of anti-union efforts. UAW leadership says thousands of non-union auto workers across the country have been trying to organize. Workers in Indiana, Alabama, and Tennessee have filed charges. UAW President Sean Fain says the gains made during the UAW workers' strike is what has sparked these efforts around the country. They were tuning in to our Facebook Live updates, our stories. They made their own stickers with our UAW wheel, and they posted them all over the non-union plants. This wasn't us, the UAW, going out and trying to organize these workers. This was these non-union workers banging down our door to join the UAW family. If workers at those plants do unionize, it could add 150,000 members to the UAW. That would double its current membership. WSJM News now continues with your Bloomberg report. WSJM News now continues. Aid to Ukraine and Israel is stuck in Congress without a bipartisan deal for more border security. But negotiations on that were still underway late today, as ABC's Stephen Portnoy reports. These talks have top negotiators from both parties huddling with senior administration officials. Their aim is to reach an immigration policy deal so the reforms that come out of the talks can make it through both houses alongside aid to Israel and Ukraine. But they face a daunting task. These talks are focused on whether to raise the bar for those seeking asylum. Democrats insist Republicans are making extreme demands, and Republicans say Democrats aren't serious about reforms. President Biden is speaking out about the Israel-Hamas war and warning that Israel is losing international support because of what he calls indiscriminate bombing of Gaza. Biden says he thinks Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu understands this, but he's not so sure about the Israeli leader's cabinet. Israeli forces carried out punishing strikes across Gaza today, crushing Palestinians and homes. The military is pressing ahead with an offensive that officials say could go on for weeks or months. The president's comments reflected a harder-than-usual assessment of Israel's decisions since the October 7th attack by Hamas. Meanwhile, a meeting is planned for tomorrow with President Biden and families of Americans held hostage by Hamas. More maybe ABC's Karen Travers. President Biden will meet in person Wednesday at the White House with family members of Americans taken hostage by Hamas during the October 7th terror attacks in Israel. The president spoke to these families on a video conference call back on October 13th, a conversation the White House described as emotional. National Security Spokesman John Kirby said last week the administration thinks there are eight Americans held hostage by Hamas, including one woman. Uh, we're doing everything weekend to try to get them released. Karen Travers, ABC News, the White House. Israeli forces have carried out strikes across Gaza overnight as they press ahead with the offensive that could go on for months. The operations come even as global calls for a ceasefire have left both Israel and its main ally, the United States, increasingly isolated. The war ignited by Hamas's October 7th attack in the southern Israel has already brought unprecedented death and destruction to the impoverished coastal enclave. The health care system and humanitarian aid operations have collapsed in large parts of the besieged area. Aid workers have warned of starvation and the spread of disease among displaced people in overcrowded shelters and tent camps. Republicans in the House of Representatives held a press conference today looking back at the tumultuous year they just had with the Speaker's chair turnover and what they plan to accomplish before the end of the year. Speaker Mike Johnson previewed that and more, including an impeachment inquiry vote. More if maybe he's Liz Landers. During a Republican leadership press conference on Tuesday, Speaker Mike Johnson said that the GOP has no choice but to vote on an impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden, calling it a legal decision. The impeachment inquiry is necessary now, as our as Whip Emer just explained, because we've come to this impasse. We're following the facts where they lead hitting a stone wall republicans are expected to hold that vote on wednesday over still unproven claims that president biden improperly benefited from his family members business ventures overseas Liz landers abc news washington a georgia election worker has testified that she feared for her life as she received a barrage of threatening and racist messages fueled by rudy giuliani's false claims that her mother and her rigged the 2020 election results in the state in Giuliani's defamation trial, Wandrea Shea Moss took the witness stand today as her lawyers showed a few of her messages that accused her of treason, called her a thug, and used a racist slur. She recounted changing her appearance to try to hide as Giuliani and other allies of former President Donald Trump seized onto surveillance footage to falsely accuse her and her mother, Ruby Freeman, of committing voter fraud. At least four state Supreme Courts are this week dealing with abortion cases. In Arizona, the question and arguments underway today is regarding a law from the 1800s and whether it still applies, more if maybe he's Alex Stone. Arizona became a state in 1912. Well before that, in 1864, the territory put a total abortion ban into place just before the U.S. Supreme Court undid Roe v. Wade. Arizona lawmakers last year passed a 15-week abortion ban, which is what the state has been using. But the question before the Arizona Supreme Court, which ban applies? The 1864 total abortion ban? Or last year's 15-week ban. Alex Stone, EBC News. Former Congressman George Santos's lawyer has expressed optimism about plea negotiations in Santos' criminal fraud case today, successfully fending off prosecutors' attempts to speed up the ousted congressman's trial. In Santos's first court appearance since he was expelled from Congress this month, his attorney Joseph Murray argued it was premature to bring the September trial forward while the two parties were in talks to resolve the case. He said, "Quote: We should focus on the plea deal. I believe they can be fruitful." That's what he told Judge Joanna Siebert in a federal court in Long Island. The judge sided with Murray. And Harvard has made a decision about the future of its president amid an anti-Semitism firestorm, or maybe she's Derek Dennis. Embattled Harvard president Claudine Gay is safe. The school's board unanimously supporting her after a firestorm over her comments last week in a congressional hearing where she struggled to answer whether calls for genocide against Jews amid the Israel-Hamas war violates Harvard's code of conduct. The board releasing a statement affirming its confidence in Gay's continued leadership, but billionaire head fund manager and Harvard grad Bill Ackman writing on X, she has done more damage to the reputation of Harvard than any individual in our 500-year history, and that Harvard refused to fire her because it didn't want people to think the school was kowtowing to him. Derek Dennis, ABC News.